0: You're entering the content studio. Sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's a masterpiece, but the process always makes us better. We'll talk about how you can reach your audience with the right content at the right time and grow your brand through content marketing. Hello, and welcome back to the content studio brought to you by GLC. I'm Michelle Jackson, your host. Today, I am being joined by my fellow editors, Cara Finnegan and Brad Cossey. Hey, Michelle.
1: Hey, what's up?
0: Hey guys, how's everything going? Pretty good. Good to be here with you.
1: Glad to be back, for sure.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining me. And thanks for going, joining again. This is you guys are repeat repeat offenders here. <laughs> you know, on our last episode, we talked about really thoughtful smart content planning and how that can help carry out make your content work harder for you. And I think this theme of making your content work harder for you is so important. One of the ways that you make your content work harder for you is by looking at ways to sort of like breathe new life into existing content and making your existing content new again. And I think it's something that at least for the three of us, we've talked a lot about. I think that all three of us are pretty passionate about it and are trying to find ways to help our clients do this um, with their own content programs.
2: Yeah, and I mean, there's really a lot of reasons to do it, right? Because it's not just about the fact that we're all busy. And, you know, of course, that's part of it. You want to maximize your resources, right? Like, you don't want to do things over and over again if you already have what you need. But there's other reasons. You know, you're hopefully always trying to engage new audience members and kind of grab that new person that has never seen your content before. And so presenting it in a new way and even just unearthing it again gives you that opportunity to reach those people who maybe haven't seen it before. You shouldn't be afraid to take that opportunity to to get those people looking at you who haven't yet. So that's another reason to breathe new life into it.
1: Yeah. One of the words that I like to use when we're talking about this is refinement. Uh, You know, there's there's a connotation of repackaging and repurposing. But when you think about it in terms of refinement, what we're talking about here is primarily in a digital space, looking at the analytics for a particular piece of content, understanding engagement, if it is a popular piece of content, trying to understand why. And once you start to really dig into it, you have the opportunity to refine the message, you know, refine the SEO, add new content to it. If it's an article, think about additional multimedia content like video or infographics, you know, to really breathe new life into the piece like we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to put a process around this idea of repurposing and refining existing content to create new content. The most important part of that or the first step in that is essentially a content audit where you can identify, okay, what content have we produced in the last six months or um, if you're doing it annually in the last year, what's worked, what hasn't, and what can we do to improve upon what we've been doing and give it new life?
2: Yeah, and I think it is important to look at those metrics, both from you know obviously your website, but also your social. Um, what's getting engagement? What type of engagement is it getting? And also, as you said, Michelle, what's not working? You know, if you're a healthcare organization and you have a really big event every year, and you notice that the metrics around those the promotions of that aren't good, so that's telling you it's not working. You have this important piece of content or this important message every year that you need to get better engagement for, that tells you, if it's not performing well, that it's something you should invest in repackaging in a way that might gain gain that engagement. And part of that is, you know, another reason to, to invest in this repurposing is to reinvigorate your SEO around it, right? Because if people, you know, we talk about it all the time. If people can't find what you're creating, then it doesn't matter how good it is, right? So you want to make sure that, um, that content that is your bread and butter is able to be found. And that really is important to invest in, in SEO good practices in order to make that easier for your audience to find it.
1: Yeah, I, I keep coming back to this idea. I guess the point in, in, in something that we've talked about on numerous times, and really the, the purpose of this podcast is that this whole endeavor is a process of refinement, right? You are You are constantly... If you are being diligent, thinking about how you are delivering content, and then as soon as it's done, you're thinking about how to make it better, how to improve, how to make it go further, what's next?
0: You know, sometimes we are approached by organizations, and our first relationship with them is to do some sort of content audit to find what content are they currently producing, what's working, how do we refine it, how do we maximize it. I think, though, that this is a process that should take place for every organization that produces content regularly. I I don't know that enough of our clients do it on the regular and where we're looking at this quarterly, semi-annually, annually, annually, and baking it into our process for content creation.
2: Yeah, I think it's like with anything else. It's like when you finish that project, you finish it and it's done and it's out there. What's next? You know, all of us are guilty of that. That's just, you know, that's part of, the creative process too it's like you got it out the door now i'm ready for my you know next creation and that could be any kind of content whether it be art or you know articles or whatever it is yeah. um but i think to train ourselves to say okay you know wait a minute maybe we don't have to just move on to the next thing we have to look back and and learn from what we already done being editors, it's kind of in our training to always want to go back and make things better, but it isn't necessarily for everyone that instinct to to go backwards. And so I think for people to get that
0: get used to the idea that, you know, it should be, like you said, Michelle, part of your process. I think that by doing this, you can also diversify your content types. And um, the channels that you're producing content for. So you know, you may have a series of webinars that you produced last year that maybe you got some some good viewership live and maybe not too much viewership in the archived versions. But that's a lot of content that just is sitting on your website. and and maybe there's some new ways to use that content. like creating a series of tip sheets based on the webinar content and publishing those on your website promoting them on social media. I'm thinking of an example of a client recently that is a a children's hospital that we did a content audit for. One of the types of content that they have in their wheelhouse are these um, on-demand videos that parents can sign up for where they provide really tangible tips on on popular parenting topics like how to potty train your child. There was so much rich content that was contained in those videos, and the only people that are getting them are those people who sign up for these videos to be emailed to them. Why not take those tips from those videos, turn them into infographics or tip sheets that can be promoted on social media? So this is, these are new pieces of content that's coming from your existing content to get it to more people.
1: I think um, the the best practices that we are recommending for digital publishing it differs from a lot of more traditional forms of publishing that associations and and healthcare groups have relied upon historically, right? So I think it's important to just sort of acknowledge that. And once you can sort of see the difference, then you can say, okay, I get it. Uh, So for the digital publishing side of what we're doing here, we need to put these things in place as part of our best practice development, refinement, evaluation, auditing um, on, a, on a regular basis.
2: When we push a website out there, we call it, it's live, right? It's, the website is live and it really is like a living thing that you have to realize when you consider your website as something that's living and that needs to be nurtured, even the things that you, know, you pushed live two years ago, um, it just is a healthier thing, right? It's something that you get into the habit of nurturing and re-looking at things, seeing what needs to be fixed, seeing what is working, what isn't. And I think just getting into that mindset is really important for digital publishing because it affects the health of your website. All of the things that you've created in the past contribute to how healthy that your website is going forward
0: for any organization, I think it's important to figure out what your formula is in terms of, okay, this is how often I'm gonna be publishing content on our website. And this is how much of that, this is the percentage of that content that's gonna be brand new content that we're gonna be developing. This is the percent of content percentage of content that we're gonna be creating, recreating from, you know, whether it's slight tweaks to an, an original piece to improve upon results, or whether it's taking an, an older piece that's since been lost, and or maybe it's a, a one of your most popular pieces and coming up with new ways to tell that story. Um, I think figuring out what that formula is or what that percentage makeup is for your organization, I think makes this do, makes content creation and nurturing your website through content a more doable process when you figure out what that looks like for your organization. So what are some of the ways you guys have found to be effective at making tweaks on existing content to sort of breathe new life into those pieces? Um, this work doesn't have to doesn't have to take a lot
2: of time, right? Like these, these little tweaks can be something as simple as adding an internal link or, you know, adding some, a different intro or changing the date on the post or, you know, breaking it up into multiple pages instead of one page. There's, there's quick little things you can do that kind of signal to Google that um, you've, you've touched the page, right? And so it kind of refreshes it a little bit it makes it seem new again. So if you have this piece of content that is really, you've done everything you can, it's great. The content is really rich and it's everything you want to say. There are still little tweaks you can make to both encourage your reader along the journey deeper into your site and make it a healthier page, both for user experience and in Google's eyes as well.
0: I think current events give you new opportunities to look at old content in new ways and have new opportunities for repromoting that content. For example, what are we all thinking about right now? When am I going to get my dang COVID vaccine? Um, that's that's the topic of the day. If you're a healthcare organization, maybe you're creating some new content on that topic, or maybe you've got some old content on vaccine safety in general or how vaccines are made. Maybe that content can be repromoted because that's what we're talking about. You know, maybe you tweak the lead, you provide a little bit of, of updated guidance in the intro. Um, and that gives you a piece of content that can be promoted on social and an email campaign. Current events give you a lot of opportunities to repurpose existing content in new ways.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we but we work a lot with healthcare organizations. We work a lot with associations that might have a lot of data, you know, around their membership or around the work that they do. And I think data is another way to kind of get that renewed relevance to your content, right? If If you do for example, I used to um, I used to work for a parenting website. and the, one of the biggest pages every single year for our website was when the when the census would release the top baby names of the year. It was by far the top performing page every single year, right? So that was on our list every year to re, to refresh that page with what what the top names were that year. And it just added to the data. So if it was, you know, every 10 years, we'd have like a new dump of like, what was this decade's number one name, right? And so that new refreshed data point was something that engaged readers. And then we would figure out ways to make it new each year. Like maybe we would, you know, make a slideshow out of the names and talk about what they meant or find, you know, the names that meant something related to seasons or whatever it was that could kind of give a spin on it. But it was just really changing the content based on how the data was released.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of timely events, there's those ones you anticipate every year. Like you say, when the, new, when the baby names come out every year, there's, there's an increased in search demand for that. There's an increase in traffic for that. Um, and then there's the unexpected timely events. In the healthcare space, um, you know, recently, unfortunately, when Chadwick Bozeman passed away from colon cancer at a pretty young age, that was a hot topic all of a sudden for people to think about what's my risk level, what kind of screening should I be doing for colon cancer, you know, could that happen to me or someone that I know? So that was an opportunity for healthcare organizations to provide some some good content around um, colon cancer screening and what you should be thinking about, who's at elevated risk for getting colon cancer at a younger age. So I think that there's both those sort of current events that you can expect to come around once a year, you know, like flu season. And then there's, you know, the unexpected ones that um, you have to be a little bit agile, but you've got some existing content that can um, become new again and re-promoted. Content
2: creators should also realize that it's okay to, to promote content that isn't new. Um, you know, you have this old piece of content that's been sitting there. Maybe you don't have time to refresh it, but it's okay to go on your social media account. And Michelle, like you said, maybe it's something about colon cancer that you've had forever. Um, and there might be some hesitance to put it out there as like, Oh, we have this colon cancer, um, infographic or whatever, but, If it's relevant and it's up to date, promoting it, um, even if it's old content, is encouraged. It's not just not a bad thing. It's something you should do is kind of look back at what you have and put it out there
1: again. I was just thinking, like, uh, in my social media feed, if something is relevant, Chadwick Boseman's news breaks. And then in my social media feed, there's something about, you know, uh, uh, are you at risk of colon cancer? You know, like, yeah, I'm probably going to click on that just by virtue of the, the connection of the two things. And when I click on that article, the first thing I'm gonna look at is probably not the publication date. It's probably gonna be the information, right? So I I guess to your point, Kara, if it's relevant and and it's information that somebody could use, then they're not gonna care, right?
0: Yeah, and also, you know, if you're creating content on a regular basis, then within a couple of years, you've got a lot of content. You may know it very well because you have a heavy hand in making and creating all that content, but it's likely a lot of that content has not been seen by a lot of your uh, audience. And so you shouldn't be afraid to re-promote it. You're probably the only one that knows that it's, that it's been re-promoted, you know? I think it's new. It's going to be new to a lot of your audience, even if it's being re-promoted.
1: If you look at the analytics for any of that stuff, right, you can even you can see how many people have visited that article and say, okay, yeah, um, we we probably have a, a lot more people who haven't seen this than have, and, and uh, we wanna try and get it out there to as many people as possible.
0: This idea of repurposing content is done more than than we think. How many emails are we subscribing to where it's giving you a wrap up of the top 10 blog posts of the year or how many e-newsletters do we subscribe to where it's the, the top content or the most popular content from the month. Those essentially are all ways of repurposing existing content and promoting it in new ways. So I think this is just, it's done a lot by marketers in all spaces, particularly like consumer marketing. It, and it certainly can be done with healthcare organizations and associations and professional organizations as well. And you brought this up earlier, Michelle, but
2: I think to really drive it home we're all involved in content planning. It's a big job, right? It's a big task to kind of anticipate what your audience wants, to know what needs to be communicated, both from the organization's perspective and just in general, um, from an information perspective. Part of that planning, you know, when you think of it having to be Creating something new every time, it can be it can be overwhelming, right? But if you build into your process, when you're actually creating new content, making something that will be your keystone content or something that you come back to year after year with certain mechanisms to remind yourself to refresh it or to add the new data or whatever it is. But to bake that into your process to say, here's this piece that we're going to create in March. And, you know, next March, we're going to do this to it. We're going to come back to it. It just helps to create a portfolio of content that's really rich and it builds in that idea that you can go back to something again and again if you make that part of your process.
1: The other aspect of this is that we are all constantly inundated and bombarded to get us to click on something, to look at something. As content marketers, I think really what we're just trying to do is to catch people's attention to provide them with more information about a topic that they care about.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why it always goes back to really knowing your audience and how many different audience segments you might have and how they digest and consume information. So if you're trying to reach someone who's a busy mom and they might have two minutes and they're a visual person, you know, it might be like a quick infographic or slideshow, right? With images that really get your message across quickly. If it's a clinician who has, to get really deep in the weeds about something. It might be a webinar or, you know, a multi-page article that has a lot of really in-depth information to it. It might, And it might be the same information, but you're just packaging it in a really different way, depending on what that audience segment reacts to.
0: Yeah. I think like each of your audience members, their their preferences, their interests, their the time they have to spend with content, all of that is constantly changing. And you're, as a marketer, as a content marketer, you're tasked with keeping up with that. Sometimes you can keep up with that by repurposing existing content. Sometimes you address those needs by new content, but there's certainly, I mean, the point is you may be able to evolve with them in more ways than one. And it's not always, the answer isn't always creating new content. Brad and Kara, thank you guys so much for spending time with me today. And um, sharing your thoughts. Hopefully you guys will join me again. I can convince you again to come back to the content studio and talk more about another topic. Anytime. Thanks, Michelle.
1: Absolutely. It's always a pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the content studio. Be sure to visit us online at glcdelivers.com.